Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. Miami Grand Prix review, the three of us are back together and we witnessed a Max Verstappen win, his third win of the season. Red Bull continuing their streak, five out of five. Um, but it wasn't the driver starting on pole position, it was Max Verstappen coming all the way from P9 to take victory with a few laps to go in the race. Sam, you're back. We're already disagreeing about how good this race was. Everything's right in the world. Yeah, I mean, we're in Miami, bish. I mean, it's great. I'm so... <sighs> was, I know. We, I didn't bring out the beep, folks. You the border's <laughs> there. <laughs> right on you know me, always flying by the line. Um, yeah, I mean, back in Miami for the, for the second time ever, that intro show which we're gonna get onto i'm sure we're gonna run through the sketchy in a, in a minute was was something we're gonna chat about it uh will i am or doing an orchestra fuck ll cool j that was something um also the racing happened not sure how thrilling it was that's what we were disagreeing about, disagreeing about before we came on the show was the boys think it was a much bigger race than i do um it'll be interesting to hear what you're listening think but yeah it wasn't i don't think it was a thriller harry you're up you're up leagues today did you uh did you enjoy oh, the uh, the race <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed the race probably more than you did but having said that I've been at a barbecue last afternoon so I am absolutely flying along I'm having you a lovely spangled, time folks oh, I'm, I'm having a great I'm having a great oh, time no. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's drunk Sam's annoyed <laughs> no, neither of which are related but I no. did enjoy the race <laughs> well this podcast is a recipe for success so let's get on with it <laughs> As Sam mentioned, run through the schedule very quickly. We'll be giving our moment of the race later on, and we've got Discord submissions as per usual. A bit of discussion about the second ever race we've had in Miami. Any thoughts on the intros, the race itself? 
Alpine scoring with both cars, so a much more successful weekend for them versus Baku. More discussion on that later on. And Mercedes having to fight back through the field a little bit, particularly in Lewis Hamilton's case, eventually ending up, though, with two scorers in the top six. But we'll start out front, of course, Max Verstappen versus Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez gifted an opportunity put in a pretty good banker lap in qualifying on Saturday. Max Verstappen unable to get a lap in because he didn't get a banker lap in and Charles Leclerc's crash late on meant the red flag caused him to not get a lap in at all. Max Verstappen starting P9, made his way through the field very quickly, went very long on his hard tyres, longer than anyone else who started on that compound and ultimately ended up just a couple of seconds behind Sergio Perez when he came out and took the overtake and the lead and the win pretty comfortably. Sam, would you say that was an impressive win for Verstappen? Is it solid at all based on how easily he had to make his way through the field? I mean, Crofty delivered a a lovely little stat during the race, which, you know, usually I wouldn't give him all the praise in the world, but it was a good stat that only four drivers before this race had ever won from ninth place on the grid. Uh, And Verstappen makes it five, Um, you know, which... Is, it is impressive. You're still not winning from the front few. And I know that car is mighty, but with Max Verstappen, you think, okay, someone's starting in ninth place. This is going to be a challenge for them. Surely they're not going to make it through to the front. You know, it might be a bit tricky, but it's almost like, you know, the quote from Thanos in the Marvel movies where it's kind of like, I am inevitable. That is literally what it feels like now with Max Verstappen on this Formula One grid. You know, the, the, the kid is... You know, fly like the wind, bullseye. The guy just cannot slow down. I have no doubts that regardless of if he were to start 18th, 20th, 17th, 1st, wherever it might be, wherever part of the grid he starts on, he will find himself to the front and he will be challenging for that victory come the final lap of the race. And he proved it again. It was so easy. It was so easy for him that he was able to take his time in doing so. He was considered, he was, you know, sensible with how he was making his moves. It was an impressive display, but because it's Max Verstappen with such immense talent, whilst paired with a car that is so formidable at the moment, it is almost, you know, undisputed. You, you know it's going to happen. It is coming. As I said, it is inevitable. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm not baffled. I'm not blown away. I should be, but I'm not. Because it's so expected now with some of Max Verstappen's talent that, yes, whilst it's impressive, he is so impressive generally as a driver that is the least I expect from him. So I think for me, great job from Max. He did exactly what was expected. On the other hand, other side of the garage, Sergio Perez, he had to win today. He had such an advantage given to him. I think he let himself down. And a bit more on Perez in a moment. So essentially you're saying his excellence has become something of a, of a standard and commonplace for him now. Harry, would you agree with that? Do you think that this was just another standard Max Verstappen race? How impressive was his fight through the field given the seeming massive advantage that Red Bull has? Uh, it does feel kind of commonplace, but but at the same time, I feel like he he had a bit of a job to do today, Max, more so than perhaps he has had to do in the past year or so. Um, because... I don't want to say Checo was unlucky. Checo had to make his own luck there, um, and but Max really had to work for that in that in that I don't know, final third of his hard tire stint. So his first stint, he really had to work for it and and bridge that gap because if Checo had closed into within I don't know ten seconds or, or something like that, then it would have been a much harder job for Max to get back, back past him when he bolted on the the medium tires. So. 
it, it was, it did from the, I guess from the outside seem like a common Max Verstappen victory, but, uh, but I think he, he did have to work for that one, that one a bit harder today, but that, that shows the talent he has. Um, I know the car's got a big advantage, so he, it helped him get through the field, but he, he, he had to. He sliced through pretty decisively. He still had to. He's still in the car driving. You can have a great car and make a make a balls up of it. He did, and he didn't. So, um, yeah, it's it does feel a bit inevitable, as Sam says. But at the same time, I feel like he he did actually work pretty hard for that one today. Yeah, just because it's become so commonplace, that shouldn't numb you to the impact of of how impressive that race win was. I mean, newsflash, folks. Schumacher had dominant cars, Hamilton has had dominant cars, and now Verstappen's got one. It's not it's not new. Yeah, the best drivers inevitably end up in the best cars and then they take advantage of it. What Verstappen's doing here, and I, I mean this in a, in a nice way, isn't anything brand new. He's just replicating other greats that have come before him. And when you get to a point where excellence is so not underwhelming, but it's just so expected, that really shows that you've hit the point of hit the point of greatness um this this was this was brilliant and certainly i think if you compare this to his other race this year where he had to make his way through the field which was of course saudi arabia now saudi arabia he did have to come from a little bit further back he came from 15th versus 9th here it felt like at saudi arabia it was a little bit harder work than we had anticipated going into the race here it felt the opposite here it seemed easier even with how good that car was, than I think we thought it was going to be. I know Fernando Alonso mentioned lap 25 would be when he see when he saw Verstappen in his mirrors. He'd have been, I think he'd take that now, wouldn't he? If it was lap 25, it was, far, I, I, was it lap 15? Was it even that? Yeah. Um, he, he was by him a long way before Alonso's projection as to when he would be on his, on his tail. And yeah, he just made the midfield really seem like they didn't exist. I think overtaking generally was easier around here than I thought it was going to be, um, certainly for Verstappen, but actually across the entire field. Um, I know there was a lot of discussion about shortening DRS. It, that that might be something we, we actually chat about separately to this, um, but it seemed like Verstappen didn't have much of an issue. There were at least three overtaking spots that Verstappen used to full effect. Um, and for me, that... It, Actually, it was Christian Horner who, I kind of hate to say it, Christian Horner put it best really, which was that lap 20 to lap 40 was the difference. It was that hard tyre where Verstappen, Perez pits, Verstappen's still out there and Perez's lead, sorry, Verstappen's lead is kind of shrinking and then it just stops and you're like, oh, that's not a good sign. And that's not a good sign. As soon as... Verstappen on 20 lap older tyres who had had to work his way through the field in a way that Perez didn't have to. As soon as that gap between the two drivers diminished and then even increased, you knew that, okay, time's up. Verstappen's, this isn't going to be that close. Verstappen's going to have the pace to do this. It's it's impressive. It's it, it's a nine out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10. Um, but for a Verstappen, it's just a, another race. What about the title fight, Sam? We knew that going into the race that a Perez win would give him the championship lead. A lot of stats were thrown around at the weekend in terms of last Mexican driver to lead the championship was in the 60s with Pedro Rodriguez. Of course, that hasn't happened. Verstappen has instead enhanced his lead further. 
is this on in any way? I mean, I was clearly all aboard the uh, title fight train. I thought this was maybe, indeed, choo-choo, get your ticket stamped, please, all aboard. I really thought that Perez was maybe doing a bit of a Rosberg, you know, 2016, where things were maybe not as easy for Verstappen, maybe not even for reasons that he had control under. You know, for example, the red flag being brought out meant that he couldn't get that second lapping after a bit of a mistake in that first go. You have to you have to be there consistently. Perez got that lapping well. He did everything right in qualifying. Um, you'll have heard, if you listen to our race preview, that as much as I wasn't here, the guys rang out my predictions. I said Perez would win the race. I said Verstappen would come in second. And when qualifying ended and Verstappen was P9ing, there was a little bit of me that had a bit of a glimmer, you know, a little bit of a, he's going to do this. He's going to walk away from Miami, which is almost a street circuit as well. And he's going to lead the championship. And you know what? After watching this performance, it was like an absolute kick in the teeth. And I'm sure Sergio Perez, who got out of that car smiling, he shook Max Verstappen's hand and yeah, he got another P2. Good for him. He's doing what the team need him to do. I'm sure inside he's thinking, I've absolutely bottled that. That wasn't good enough. We're going to have to go again. I'm going to need to be better because he's doing what so many other, you know, good drivers have had to face up to in the past. You know, you look at Valtteri Bottas, who was once one of the highest rated drivers going on the grid up against Lewis Hamilton. He was demolished. You look at Rubens Barrichello, who was always regarded incredibly highly, demolished by Michael Schumacher. You know, it's happened in the past where these drivers who are so high above everyone else and you're at the peak of their powers come up against a driver that realistically if you were to put them up against most other drivers worldwide they would come out on top they don't they struggle even at the peak of their powers this was Sergio Perez's chance to really get a foothold in this title fight to really almost mentally get inside Max Verstappen's head and go I'm here for the long haul I'm going to take the fight too I'm not just going to win on these odd specialty circuits and he didn't. He crumbled so quickly. The strategy was almost exactly the same. And Ben, you, you rightfully said, he didn't have to fight through traffic as well. So he didn't have that issue. He had the whole track to himself. There was almost no advantage for him. you think that he'd be able to pull away, same machinery, essentially the same strategy, just swapped. He didn't make the most of any of the tyres that he had available to him. I was really disappointed. I even said in the Discord, and if you're not in it, join it. The link's in the description. I said, Perez is just saving his tyres. That's why the gap stopped. He's saving his tyres because he's aware he's going to have to fight Max when Max comes out of the pits on those medium tyres about 15 laps ago. He's just, I was really hopeful. He's just saving his tyres. It happened. He got past the thing a lap and it was, you know, the classic game over noise that, you know, we play at the arcade where you just absolutely muck it up. It was game over. Max Verstappen had it in total control the entire time. And if you think their title fight is on, I think we're going to need to see Max Verstappen slip up way more than we're going to need to see Sergio Perez step up. I don't think this is in Sergio Perez's hands at all. I think he now needs to be gifted it. Harry, is it still on? I, I'm going to stick up for Sergio Perez here because uh, I and I agree with. Um, I was actually on the same uh, wavelength as Sam in that I just thought Perez was saving <laughs> saving his tie. I was like, it's okay. He's just holding back. And then when the gap started growing and I was like, oh, oh no, he's, he's not, he's not saying, he's not saving his tires. Um, <laughs> but from what we've seen uh, of the other drivers in the race today, who did the hardest uh, to medium strategy, Hamilton, uh, there was another driver and I've forgotten, but, but Hamilton's the biggest one there. Uh, that was the better strategy. I know Christian Horner said on the simulation, medium to hard was the better way around to do it. But I think if you look at the, what happened during the race, hard to medium was the was the was the quicker option overall. So I'll stick up for Sergio on the, on that front. Having said that, 
he he can't afford to let Max do what he did to him, did to him in that in that stint. I think Sergio is really good when the pressure is right behind him. We've seen it before. Uh, well, twice this year with, with Verstappen right behind him and back in, in Saudi Arabia. But when the pressure is 20 seconds down the road, but isn't going to be 20 seconds down the road because they're going to do a pit stop, it's almost like he's he's not quite there as much as he would be when, he, when he's got it right behind him. So, and, and the great drivers like Verstappen, like Hamilton they can keep up that intensity when 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 they're in those sorts of situations and you're just on your own. Um, whereas I'm not sure Perez has been able to master that yet. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick up for him somewhat, but still he can't, I can't afford to do that. I'm not going to say the championship's over, but this was one Perez should have won. And I know he was perhaps on the less quick strategy, but he still should have won it. I think the good news here is that after this race, Sergio Perez's chances at the championship have not changed one bit. They've gone from zero to zero. So it's really nothing Ooh. positive or negative. Um, I, it's it's more on how great Verstappen is rather than Perez because you can't not win this race. Like th- this was a golden opportunity where, and, and it was self-inflicted from Verstappen's side in qualifying, definitely. Um, you know, that's why you put in your first good lap because those red flags can happen late in a session. But ultimately, where Verstappen qualifies ninth and Perez qualifies first, you're not getting that very often. He's got to take that chance and he didn't. Um, simple as that. I, I don't think a title fight is possible. I know that the Hamilton Rosberg sort of story and seeing if that can be replicated. The optimist in me absolutely wants that to be the case, but Perez has not shown over the last few years, anything like what Rosberg showed in the years leading up to 2016. I mean, 2014, 2015 Rosberg took multiple race wins. I think about six wins a season out of um, Lewis Hamilton. Perez hasn't done that up until this season. I mean, Perez last year was far better than 2021 and he was 150 points behind Verstappen at the end. Rosberg and Hamilton were never separated by that distance. So it's it's got to be in the European season, if anywhere, that Perez sort of blossoms and, and becomes this championship challenger. But based on the evidence today, I, I can't see it happening. Did you have any thoughts on the move itself, Sam? The, the move for the lead? I mean... It was almost kind of a wang and dung, wasn't it? Everyone kind of said, oh, it was nice to see it go a bit wheel to wheel, but it was very quickly, it was like ripping a band-aid off. You know, you, you stick it on for 30 laps and then all of a sudden the time comes where it's, you know, game over, you rip the band-aid off and it's, you move on with your life. It, it didn't thrill me. I didn't get a lot of excitement out of it and watching one car breeze respectful. passing other. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was respectful. No one, no one was, uh, you know, a, a, a an, an arse about it. That's the, that's, the, that's the worst word I'm allowed to say on the podcast. So we can ask that's for number two. Don't be an arse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cutting it fine today, folks. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, Verstappen did exactly what he needed to do. He shut the door in the most respectful way possible. Perez, even on those older tyres, didn't put himself in a position where, you know, an accident could happen. And we've seen both Red Bulls, not specifically these two drivers as a pairing, but both Red Bulls take each other out before when they have been fighting for very strong positions, if not the race wing. I hark back to Baku a few years ago, of course. Um, You know, it has happened in the team's lineage. So it could have happened here today. And with Perez, with the mindset he's in, 
you know, I want to, I want to lead this championship. I want to take the lead. I need to take it to Max Verstappen. Combined with, I think, as much as he's very chill on the surface, there was a, a bit of aggression and anger under Max Verstappen boiling over after the incident that happened with Russell at Baku. He didn't get the wing and then qualifying went away from what he wanted it to do and he didn't get that result. So he had to work for it again today. You know, I understand. It's a bit like when Hamilton got a bit between his teeth at when we were in the last decade. When they're in that mood, it could be a little bit like no one's stopping you. He's like a bulldozer. He's coming through. So when you put those two things together, there could have easily been an accident. But I think this played out really, really fairly. And that's how I want a team to work. I want it to be a bit, bit of friction, bit of tension, but at the same time on the track, get the job done. Yeah, I, I, I think the overtake probably went as ex exactly as you would expect it to at that point where it was very obvious that Verstappen was going to get by. And if it wasn't going to happen there, it was going to happen at the next opportunity or the next lap. You, you knew it was coming. So from Verstappen's perspective, there was no real reason to to risk it. He, he just had to play it safe and make sure that whenever he did make that lunge, which ended up being into turn one, he was always going to leave Perez enough space in a way that potentially he wouldn't leave that space for another driver. It was just logical. Um, it was it was a perfectly good overtake. It, it's not going to go down in the history books, um, but it was functional. It got it got the job done. Any any final thoughts from you, Harry, on that move? Yeah, it was. Perez defended it as as well as he could. I think like we it, we knew as soon as that gap started building even before Verstappen stop, it was going to be an easy gate, as Sam said, game over. Um, so Perez, Perez defended that as long as I think he could have done. And, you know, he defended it well on the back straight. As they went into turn one, he, he gave it a little sniff again, didn't he? But he didn't just lunge it down the inside and take each other off. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fair racing, but there wasn't a lot Perez could do. And uh, you're right, Verstappen, was you know but bided his time and, and didn't didn't make a rash move okay we're going to be back in a few minutes time we're going to be chatting mercedes and we'll be revealing who our driver of the day was Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so Mercedes didn't have the best time in qualifying, particularly on Lewis Hamilton's side of the garage as he qualified just 13th in the Grand Prix, ultimately going with the reverse strat, going with the hard tyre first of all. George Russell a bit more successful in qualifying, but still had a bit of work to do in the race. Ultimately, both drivers finishing in the top six. George Russell just one position off the podium in fourth, and Lewis Hamilton making up seven positions in the Grand Prix up to sixth, getting Charles Leclerc for that position quite late on. Sam, what did you make of Mercedes here? Obviously, a lot of negativity after qualifying. That didn't go particularly well, but they did fight back a bit in the race. A good weekend, an expected weekend. What are you saying? 
what is going on with Mercedes? What what is going what is happening with that team? You know, this is the second race in a row where one car goes out in Q2. The car is clearly so unpredictable, so difficult to get to to get right around the track. You I mean I know that he's not at the peak of his powers anymore, but you look at someone like Lewis Hamilton who has wrestled cars from tough places and got them into brilliant positions or the amount of times the man stuck it on pole position when it almost seemed like it wasn't possible. And you look at this 13th place. He had nothing. He was a proper whinging this weekend. Wasn't he proper had a little moan over the radio. And I get it when you're that successful, I understand when things aren't going your way and you've, you've had a go at the team to get something right and they haven't, you do feel a bit, probably, probably a bit exhausted mentally. George Russell probably doesn't, hasn't reached the point yet where he's maybe allowed to have a proper moment at the team. But I mean, it, it, I wouldn't say it's a good weekend for Mercedes. I know that they both finished in the top six, but it, it did not feel like a good weekend for Mercedes. It felt like a recovery. It felt like, a you know, we're, we're making the most of damage limitation here. Lewis did a great job in the secondary stink to make sure that he got back inside that top six. But you look at the first stink where he was just stuck behind Alex Albon until um, Albon finally fell out of the DRS range of the car in front of him. The fact that they could not get close to a Williams lap after lap, I think it took at least 20 to 25 laps for Hamilton to get past Alex Albon. You know, it, and that was right at the end of Albon's medium tyre stink. Um Hamilton did a good job recovering in the end. He did well to make up that many places because I think that Mercedes is a bit of a dog. And Russell, the move that he absolutely planted on science, so I thought was having a pretty good weekend up until his uh, you know five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane and then being done by Russell was was good. Russell had a good weekend, apart from his radio messages. We'll get onto those later, I'm sure. Um, what so, do you mean? <laughs> that's the way we roll. Um, look, folks, Mercedes is a dog. And I think... They had to take a good oh, look at themselves, you know, have a look in the mirror. I also think that Lewis Hamilton needs to do two things after this weekend. He needs to stop being so nicey-nice to the team. I think he's far too kind considering what he's achieved with that team. I think he needs to grab him by the, the scruff of the neck a little bit and go, I'm taking this one, get it together, you know, pull the team out of this one now. Stop being so friendly. Secondly, just send it, mate. I know you want to be consistent. I know you don't want to put the car in trouble, but... You've, you seem to have lost its ability to absolutely plant it down the inside. I don't know if it's the faith in the car and the package that they're giving you, but you know, I, I think back to that move that he did on Kimi Reichling around Monza all those years ago, where he came all the way back from Slovakia, it felt like, and still got the move done into turn one. It was an incredible braking maneuver. Where's that gone? I think he's so down on confidence at the moment with how things are going. Someone needs to shake him up and get him back into that zone because the Lewis that we know from a few seasons ago is not there. It's not looking good for Mercedes. They're going in the wrong direction. The camp is downbeat. They need to change it and change it soon. Harry, what did you make of Mercedes? And still no podium. It's turning into another tough campaign. Um, Didn't they get a podium in Australia? Australia. Okay. Um, <laughs> Good. Look, that that go about that one. That's bit that. Bet I'll turn this into positive. That speaks for itself because Mercedes haven't got a clue. Ain't got a clue. Haven't got a clue where they are with that car, and and it's been like that for the entirety of 2022, and again for 2023. And I feel like they thought maybe they had 
they were beginning to recover with that podium in Australia that obviously everyone forgot about. Um, but they just don't know. And that's probably more worrying than than it would be if they, they've got a slow car and they knew what the problem was. Last year, it was all about porpoising. And that I don't know if that hid what were more underlying issues with that with that concept. But it was always about, if we get the porpoising fixed, we'll be fine. They've got the porpoising fixed, but they're still not very fine. So uh, it's it's a worry for them um, because that they just don't really know. And and today in the race, they were, they were strong. I mean, I was going to say, at least they're not Ferrari. Oh dear. Ooh, uh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Um, so, you know, positives to that. But but again, they both Russell and Hamilton probably went in today, into today's race thinking they weren't going to beat a Ferrari or, or two. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's probably the more worrying aspect of, of this. They just turn up to a race weekend now and they're just not entirely sure where that car is going to be in terms of performance relative to the rest of the field. So, Yes, tough one. And and we spoke about this when uh, we spoke about James Allison being, well, having that swap with Mike Elliott and this isn't going to be an immediate turn back to the old days. And and that still stands true or rings true. But but yeah, they've got a long old road ahead of them, the the Mercedes. Um, And they're going to have to show something more than a lot of zeros on the end of a on the end of a check for Mr. Hamilton to to stick around. I know he's he's very kind on the team, as Sam says, but he's not going to stick around doing this forever because that's not what he he's too good for it. So yeah, it's a, it's a a tricky position they're in. That's for sure. Yeah, this was this was rough. Um... Not not a great weekend, but honestly, similar to um, to the greatness of Red Bull becoming so expected, it, it's kind of being expected of Mercedes now that these quite underwhelming weekends are becoming caught the norm. And I know they did recover a fair amount in the Grand Prix, um, but you know it, the only reason they have to recover is because they're not that great in the first place. Um, I tell you what, it is very vintage Mercedes. One thing about this weekend, which was. Despite all of their struggles, they had one car out in Q2. Um, they had George Russell and all of his radio messages and potential front wing issues and Lewis Hamilton saying that his car was never going to make it to the end on lap one. They have all of these things adding up. They still ended up with the second most points today. Like They, they still managed to get more points out of this Grand Prix than both Ferrari and Aston Martin, which is a very Mercedes thing to do, but it's still, it's it's not great. Um in terms of George Russell, I think he did a really good job. I, this was one of his better races of the season. Um, if not his best race of the season, possibly to this point. Um, he, I don't think he could have done much more with that car, in all honesty. I was very impressed with what he did with the Gasly overtake, actually, and how he knew Verstappen was going to get past, and he used that to his advantage to also then get past Pierre Gasly quite early on in the race. I was impressed by that. Lewis Hamilton, realistically, from 13th, Maybe he gets fifth if he's a bit more assertive in that first stint. But outside of that, I don't think he's getting any any higher than fifth. So, um, yeah, I, I think they probably got the most they could out of the race after qualifying. But it, it's just a, a bit of a mystery as to as to why this car is not any better than what it is right now. It, it feels like the drivers are pretty much doing what they can with what they've got available to them. And quite honestly... 
I worry about where the team would be if their driver lineup was worse than this. That's not to say that you know George Russell's not going anywhere, I don't think, and Lewis Hamilton, at least in the short term, is there as well. But where would this team be with an average lineup? I don't know. I, w- would they be quite comfortably the fourth best team? Would would they be not far outside of the the lower sort of mi- the midfield cars? I, I don't honestly know. So tough one, really tough one. Um, before we go into it, the driver of the day and whatnot, I think just want to say that I think Mercedes need to learn to play the game. You look at what Red Bull did during the changing of kind of the, the regulations. You look at what Aston Martin have done recently. They need to start being a bit naughty behind the scenes and start poaching key members of saucy. teams. Saucy. Uh, and start getting some expertise from outside because this is what happened to Ferrari a long time ago, right? Ferrari were on top. They were dominant for so long and then their internal team just didn't shift and they lost a few key members of personnel. And look where they are now. Ferrari still haven't won anything since Kimi Raikkonen and they only really won that at a last gasp attempt. So... Mercedes, you need to start going behind the scenes and pinching people off your direct competitors. You need to start attracting bigger minds and just pinch them back. Yeah, right. Just go go to Red Bull, take them all back. Yeah, because I think they're shell shocked from it. Red Bull came in and stole a lot of their key personnel. They pay them the big bucks, and fair play to Red Bull for doing it. I don't blame them for it. It makes sense, you know. If you can't beat them, steal them. And Mercedes, go and do it back. (laughs) Get someone back for Christ's sake, because we need a fight up front. Um, a lot of people on social media, in the Discord, everyone talking about F1, new fans saying that it feels a bit soulless, it feels a bit drab. Come on, Mercedes, pull something out of the bag, start putting some other team members in the back of the car and getting them back to the garage because you need all the help you can get because you're not going anywhere anytime soon. Harry, driver of the day, who have you got? I am going to go for everyone's favourite crikey British man, uh, George Russell. Oh, sugar. Oh, sugar. <laughs> That's how we roll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, when he said that, I almost considered taking it away from him because that's just awful. Um, but I greatly appreciate you letting me pass, Lewis. That's a wonderful thing for a human being like yourself to do. I am expressing my extreme gratitude at this point in time. Pip, pip. Cheerio, good sir. Catch you on the next one. <laughs> Why is he like this? Because oh, he's... <laughs> Such a good driver, but also shut up. Um, yeah, but I'm going to go for George Russell. But it, it, I thought he drove excellently out there today. Um, and he wasn't on the, let's say, the alternate strategy of the hard to medium. But but I think he made them, apart from maybe Alonso, made the medium to hard work best out of anyone. So um, yeah, Georgie Russ is my driver of the day. Uh, I would definitely shout out George Russell as a contender. I would also shout out Yuki Sonoda, who was just dragging that Alpha Tauri truck <laughs> to another 11th place finish. The fact honk, that he gets, no re- he gets no reward for what he was able to do out there <laughs> must be really disheartening. He gets exactly the same number of points as Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, and the two McLarens, which must feel like a real kick in the teeth because he has a really work for that P11. So I just wanted to give him a shout out as well. A few other good performances. I'm going to be boring and just say Max Verstappen, but um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to give Yuki Sonoda some some props as well. Sam, from your side. Yeah, I mean, I was going to give Yuki a shout out. That poor lad, Yuki the cutie. What's he got to do to score a bloody point in this sport? Um, 
on a side note, I'm actually really impressed with him. We all kind of wrote him off at the start of the season and said that this is his last chance. And I think since then, he's been really quite phenomenal. Um, also, I know it wasn't the best end of the race, but K-Mag, absolutely having a belter when going wheel to wheel with people. He brought a lot of action uh, this race weekend. Really enjoyed that. Bad and then, boy absolutely. gone good. <laughs> absolutely wrecks Leclerc. Oh God, yeah. The bad boy gone good. The meatball man. <laughs> um anyway, yeah, so he was he was brilliant. I thought both Mercedes drivers, despite their troubles, brought great entertainment and did a great job. Um I I can't look past the really boring option though. I'm gonna have to agree with Ben. It's Max Verstappen. Who have you got for worst driver of the day then, Sam? Oh yes, sir. Here, Here we, go. we go. Well, Woo! everyone knows who it is. Everyone knows <laughs> it's my favorite time. It's Nick DeVries. I mean, he literally just drove into the back of someone, not for the first time this season. Not even for the first time in the last month, essentially. He's done it twice. Poor Lando Norris, just there, minding my own He's business. He's still going, Lando. I know. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? Um, he's doing the shooting stars meme. He's <laughs> 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 flying around in outer space. Um, you know, Nick, mate, you've got a brake pedal. Bloody use it, Sunshine. What are you doing, mate? What are you doing in a Formula One car? You absolute waste of space. You're a waste man. How you've won two titles outside of this sport? I don't know. Oh, oh Go, get him out of the car. I'm sick of it. I'm bored of it. <laughs> get some Liam Lawson, me, Ian the Cat, Dave Benson Phillips. I don't care who it is. Get them Keith's in the car. Not. Keith, yeah, you're welcome, mate. Get a ring. He'll be able to fix it himself if he breaks it, unlike Nick DeVries. I'm sick of him. He's terrible. Get him out. Worst drive of the day by a long shot. I really enjoyed that at the start, Lando got a great start. And Nick yep, was like, not having that, mate. Not having that. <laughs> How about that? He was no. giving him a bit of a boost. You know, here's a, here's a couple more KPIs. He's a helping hand, my friend. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, oh dear. Worst driver of the day from you, Harry. Um, DeVries is a strong contender, but I'm going to go for, and look, I know the car was just terrible really but piastri what are you doing son where, where were you he had you a broken brake pedal leave him alone don't care he was rubbish <laughs> just hasn't got a brake that works we expect you're gonna be just as fast as everyone else that's what nick defries is probably gonna say um yeah i thought piastri was a bit was a bit pants um but i will give him the benefit of the doubt because the mclaren was also terrible and I put Norris in my F1 fantasy. So that's good. Oh. oh, hang on a minute. This reminds me. This reminds oh. me. What was what was that on the on the preview podcast there about my bold prediction being so easy? So oh we'll write that right off, I, shall we? I won't say it hey, with gusto. Hey, hey, hey. I'll say it quietly, but that's too easy. Let's get a Discord vote. They were rubbish. We didn't even do a Discord vote because we are kind. And you're us. <laughs> <laughs> and we would have probably lost. Goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, <lost>. exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, Piastri. I almost forgot who I said then. Piastri. Uh, I will. Does anyone know why Logan Sargent had to pit for a new front wing? Or did just, I just completely miss we, that? Just never see it. Just, we literally just, never just see it. Care. No. Okay. I, I'm going to assume that he didn't do anything <laughs> stupid to pick that up because otherwise he would be a contender for this. Um, Oh, yeah, Nick DeVries. Um, 
can't drive into the back of people, I'm afraid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say any more on this because I can't can't bear the thought of him going through any more of this. But yeah, he was my worst driver of the day. Before we go into our next break, big brain moment of the race. Harry, do you have something? I suspect this will come up for other things, but my big brain moment of the race is Fernando Alonso being so bored in third that he's just watching the race, <laughs> just giving suggestions, <laughs> telling this team the one, <laughs> loving your work, lads, loving what you did. What what position are you? And there's a like, P. P-, P- <laughs> No answer. No reply. No reply. Oh, man. He is after a bonus. That is for sure. He's just, he's doing a big old suck up to uh, to Lawrence Stroll. And he's after a bit more money for year two of his contract. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's, in all seriousness, that man's spare capacity, spare brain capacity blows my mind. I, I can't boys, work out. Boys are genius. Just, just drive your car, Fernando. And he's like, I'm in third. Russell's like eight seconds behind. I'm not going to catch the Red Bulls. I'll just have a little, little look at the screen. What's going on? Oh, Lance, great over there, mate. Can yeah, you put the office voice. on, guys? I'm a bit bored. <laughs> yeah. I've got funny music. I'm, I'm yeah. really bored out yeah. here. Uh, my big brain strategy also relates to Fernando Alonso, but it's not that moment. It was Is the it- moment the team... <laughs> The team radio came aboard, which was, um, should we go for plan A minus 12 laps? And he's just playing with everyone here because he would literally have had to have come into the pits <laughs> 10 laps before he said that message for that to be true. Oh, I love it. Sorry. Plan A minus 12 laps would have meant he was pitting on lap three, I think. Can I just say, and then he extended. And, and, and then, then he, he extended. went the longest of anyone on the medium tyre. <laughs> Oh, he's just, oh, Fernando. he just loves messing with people, doesn't he? It's great. <laughs> Your big brain moment of the race, Sam. Well, yeah, mine in a weird way does also involve Alonso because he's the giga chad, but it's actually not Alonso <laughs> who I'm evolving. This one actually comes down to another one of George Russell's brilliant team radio moments where he suddenly it dawned oh, yeah. on him that there was a car up the road from Fernando Alonso and he suddenly went, there's no way we're catching Perez. We're catching Perez. We're going to win. And he got all excited, bless him, in his little cockpit. And then they went, uh, sorry, George, that's that's Sergeant. He's in last. And he went, oh, yeah, I was going to say, you did say, George, quite clearly over the radio, that you thought it was Sergio <laughs> Perez. And you you were wrong. Uh, I just thought it was quite funny. You, you got very excited. I think that could uh, be a new segment. George Russell being optimistic over team radio and then being <laughs> shot down. It was the same uh, thing in Saudi Arabia when he thought he had that five second gap because of the time penalty. And then he was told that that, no, he's already served it, mate. Ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, poor George. Oh, poor George. George. Indeed. Uh, we'll take our next short break. We'll chat Alpine on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So Alpine spoke of upgrades coming into Baku, worked really well. They didn't score any points. So they came into Miami, potentially a little more hopeful, and they did score points. And in fact, both drivers did as well. Um, Pierre Gasly had a good starting position. Esteban Ocon, also relatively good starting position, starting on the hard tyre, both coming away with points. Sam, is this is this more encouraging? I know there were a lot of harsh words said by Alpine CEO Lauren Rossi midweek. Is this more encouraging for the team? Does this establish them as the very clear leader of the midfield? I mean, yeah, it's more encouraging for the team. Obviously, I think you'd be a bit daft to say otherwise. And Pierre Gasly, I think, was having an absolute flyer of a weekend until kind of the tyres fell away and he fell back, I think, to where the car naturally was sat. But he was doing a really good job and Ocon had good recovery as well. Although for a minute, I was thinking that Ocon was going to do exactly what he did in Baku and just drive on the tires until literally the last lap again. <laughs> um, cause he was on them for a, an eternity. Um, but yes, no, it is more encouraging. And sometimes you do need someone like your CEO to step out and give you a bit of a kick up the backside because the team have been, you know, sluggish. They've been letting themselves down old Alpine. They've been a little bit slow out the blocks, despite all giggling to themselves behind, you know, the, the garage wall was in practice that they thought they had some mega plan up their sleeves, um, as Ben likes to believe. But, you know, they haven't. They haven't delivered. And the track could definitely be part of it. I'm not sure that this kind of result really cements them as an opportunity to be the fifth best team. Um, McLaren feel very optimistic that they've got upgrades that can throw them forward. Haas, I think, were quite surprising, actually, with just how you know, up for the fight. They were this race weekend. I think maybe a few driver mistakes, few errors there, let them down a little bit. And you know what? Alfa Romeo also relatively in the fight. Bottas had a good qualifying. Joe was relatively on pace as well. I think it's very much open doors for who is taking the head of that midfield fight. Although this is a great sign for Alpine. If they can get a few more results like this under their belt, where they get drivers finishing 7th and 8th, 8th and ninth, 7th and ninth. you know, just picking up those small time points at the back end of the top 10, they could really find themselves emerging as the fifth place team. But I really don't think that we're going to have a clear and obvious winner to that midfield fight this season. I really do think that, you know, it might be one freak result where, I don't know, we see a red flag right at the end, like much like Australia and a car gets up to fourth place or something that sees a team jump up. I really don't think we're going to have a McLaren Alpine fight like we had last time out for that fifth place. Um, I, I really think it's open doors. I think anyone could take it. I, I actually, I think Alpine are going to walk P5. I, I don't think the other, and I, it's not even much of a compliment for Alpine as well. I just think they're there by default to an extent where all of the other teams just seem to give themselves reasons not to be P5. It feels like that they should have competition for P5 and maybe they will. Um, but I don't know if any of the teams are, are set up in a way that, that, that can fight Alpine. Um, you know, you see... Williams every weekend seems to be the same coming into practice, coming into qualifying. You think, Oh, they've got something about them this weekend. And then they walk away with no points. Alfa Romeo, this was their most encouraging weekend since Bahrain and they scored no points. Alfa Tauri, Yuki Sonoda is 
like P11 permanently, which is okay when P11 is your second best performing car, but it's always the first. So that's never going to work out for you. McLaren, goodness knows what's happening there. So I think Alpine will eventually establish P5 quite comfortably. That is my prediction here. I think they've got a solid lineup. I think they both did a good job today. Um, I think it's encouraging. Certainly, it might be track-specific, but maybe they can latch on to the end of... And arguably, they're already there. Maybe they could latch on to the end of the Ferrari battle or the Mercedes battle if the track suits them. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's overall not all that encouraging because... They're no further forward than what they were last year, but at least the CEO is coming out being very direct about this. At least there is action being taken to make something happen of this. Harry, you must be loving Le Plan being in the dirt. Le dirt, as I guess I should call it. I'm going to put you in Le Bing in a minute, Beg, if you keep going on with this way. It's less in Le Dirt as it, than it was in, in Baku. Um, <laughs> just back, back on those comments from Laurent Rossi, Savage, absolutely brutal. Um, but yeah. but but yeah. I I kind of admire it. Kind of kind of into it. Pull your fingers out, everyone. This is this is terrible. Um, maybe maybe they were all smug to him. Were like, Lauren, we've got it. This is the year. And then he's been. He's like, oh, can't wait. And then <laughs> and then this has happened, and he's like, right, that's it. I'm fuming. Um. Yeah, this is I well easily their best weekend of the year for for Alpine. They they're kind of in that no man's land, as you say, Ben. I think P five is is easily theirs, but are they going to make strides to to go any further than that? I don't I don't really think so. So as we've said before with Alpine, I, well, I said this on on like on my what was it? Pump the brakes? Not sure. Um, Alpine will never be better than this. It's another. It's going to be another P five year, another bog standard Alpine Renault year. Good, good, good job, everyone. Yeah, they really haven't <laughs> haven't moved much from that at all, have they? Bless them. No. Uh, in terms of the Miami Grand Prix, let's talk about that briefly. Uh, Sam, now we've had two races at the circuit. Have your thoughts on the track itself changed at all? Do you think it's a viable track on the 2023 calendar or do you think it needs improvements in order for it to work? We know at least in terms of the the glamour of the event, I guess, danger of it being usurped by Las Vegas, of course. Yeah, I mean, when I, when we, when I saw this topic on the, on the schedule, I found it a bit difficult to work out how I felt about it because I had to break it off into two halves, the track itself and the surrounding, you know, glitz and glam and, you know, what's going on in the, the paddock and the grandstands. And the track itself, I wanted to give a second chance. Last time we were here, it, it wasn't great. We all knew that, you know, it wasn't the thriller of the season. And when you've got tracks like, Cota that it's going up against, in my opinion, obviously it's a direct rival. They're both, you know, southern areas of America. They both host, you know, the racetrack. It could be the, the race of the Americas, so to speak. And Cota's really settled recently into being one of like the staple Grand Prix of, of the season, I think. It's really a great race that we go to. I'm really enjoying it every year. So I thought, you know, we'll give Miami another go because we saw with tracks like Baku, the first year they were on the calendar, it wasn't great. We had quite a, a ball fest. And then we went back the second year and everyone loved it. You know, it received so much praise. So I thought Miami could be the same here, but it just felt all a bit soulless. It just felt a little bit ma manufactured. Every overtake pretty much came at a point where it was, 
either a, a DRS straight or, you know, someone was just making a very driver prone error. The, the racing wasn't thrilling to watch. Um, and then you compare that, I think, with the fact that they couldn't sell out the grandstands, despite them parading around the numbers on the TV screen, that there were 30,000 people more here across this weekend than there were last year. But the the people who were actually running the event were desperately flogging tickets, you know, with two weeks to go because they couldn't sell out um, at ridiculously high prices. And, and the cutaways from the race, right, where we're at, in qualifying two, qualifying three, we're at the key parts of the race and you cut to two mermaids in between two swimming pools and people just swimming around. And I'm thinking, come on, like it, what is, what is going on? We're, what you're meant to be watching the pinnacle of motorsport. You pay a lot of money to turn up here to watch racing and, and drivers go racing. It's meant to be thrilling. You're meant to be, you know, gobsmacked at how fast these cars are going and you can't be bothered to get out of the swimming pool. And I just think, are you here for the racing or you're here for a bit of a popularity contest? So you can tag yourself on social media and say, Oh, it's the Miami Grand Prix. They were inviting influencers left, right and center. And whilst I understand this is a crucial part of marketing and growing the brand, I think it's fine to invite people from outside of Formula One. In fact, I encourage it. You should do it. There are so many people within Formula One, content creators, much like ourselves and other people, but also just fans who have dedicated so much time to the sport who deserve a call up, you know, who deserve a, a phone call to say, come down to the race, come down to the paddock. We'll get you a good experience. Document it. Put it on social media. Um, people deserve that. So when you combine both of those two things together, a soulless race that didn't produce a lot of fun and that combined that with a really naff off-track experience where people just didn't seem to care, it just felt bad. It just felt drab. So I think Las Vegas will outdo it in the glitz and the glam. And quite frankly, there's every chance that the racing in Las Vegas could turn out to be better and more fun anyway. And when Cota produces pretty good racing year after year, I don't know what Miami is adding, especially when we've got so many brilliant historic circuits in America that are ready to be used, that people love, that will provide a real challenge. It seems like a waste. I think we're just doing it for commercial value and it's a real shame. I don't think Miami should be on the calendar for much longer. They need to change a lot. And the shorter DRS zones, which I'm sure we'll get into another time, did not really provide much more action. We didn't get a lot of wheel-to-wheel -wheel moments going into breaking zones that they wanted. It just wasn't great. Harry, what were your thoughts on the race itself? Um, any thoughts on the track and indeed the event, we should call it? The race itself, uh, as we've already said, I think Ben and I enjoy slightly more than Sam, but it wasn't in any way a, a belter. Um, I don't think the track is necessarily the issue here. I actually think there's there's a reasonable and ample opportunity for, for overtakes to be made. I mean, even... I know the Red Bulls are the ones with the most advantage when it comes to DRS, but even without that, there were still a fair few overtakes this race. Yes, DRS aided, which in itself is a problem, but at least there is that opportunity. Um, I think the wider issue is, is well, it is a wider issue. I think there's we need to do something about the the tyres. Basically doing the entire race on hard tyres just doesn't make for fun F1. That's two races in a row, basically, now we've had this. Verstappen did the majority of the race. What did he pit? Lap 45, 46? 10 laps to go, effectively. Yeah, about 10 to go, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, ugh, boring. Don't, just don't need that. So that's, I think that's the more of the issue than the track itself. So I'm I'm okay with it. it, it, it I wouldn't put it in my top 10 tracks, but it's it's fine as a track. I think it, 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 does, a, it does a job. Um, the event itself, whew, whoa, 
those driver intros. That is, they were. Hold on, hold on, hold on. America, do your America, right? I actually respect it. I'm sorry, I respect no, it. If I, you're going to do, go for it. No, my I'm, problem is they didn't do enough. Yeah, no, exactly. Fair. Do more. It was, it, it was like Michael Buffer, but from Wish. It was like, no offense. Um, I've, I've forgotten the person who was doing the introduction. LL, LL Cool J. J. Sorry, LL Cool J. No offense to it, but it just wasn't as good as that. And that was 2017. So I, I am I'm all for the American over the topness of of it all. But this, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> just felt a bit, felt a bit. Um Was it was everyone else a bit weirded out by Will I Am just being there to do an orchestra? You know, like have you, were, have you heard odd. his song, was, by the way? Was you it you, Will, the formula like, or something? The formula, yeah, just but uh, like quite unannounced. Got a Wayne of... involved. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, quite unannounced all of that. So I feel like they, they, they were, Miami were feeling the pressure from, as you say, Sam, they were struggling to sell tickets. It looked fairly full today, to be fair. Um, but they're clearly feeling the pressure of Las Vegas, which is so random because they've had it. Like it's, they're all new. It's so weird. That they're already feeling that pressure, but I think it showed, I think they, obviously struggling to sell tickets, but also the show where they're trying to put on a, on a show and they had to top last year, but I don't really feel like they did. So yeah, I, I, I feel like Miami will become less about that in the future. I feel like Las Vegas will take that mantle because we saw it when we went to Austin and- uh, Why can't you say it? Went to Austin. Austin. <laughs> we went to Texas. I'm gonna to have to learn how to say it. Also. Ah, good. Yeah, Austin, we're going there. So you have to learn to say it properly. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a real issue. But but we saw it there where we had, as I say, we had Michael Buffer doing those intros, and now it's sort of transferred to Miami, and it's gonna to transfer to to Las Vegas. So I think Miami's gonna to have to find its own niche. I don't think it can be that what, what it's trying to be at the moment, which obviously it can be for now, but up until. November when Las Vegas rocks up. So yeah, the show was fine. Um, but yeah, race was okay. I think the track's fine. Would, can we, can we take a really quick vote? Would you vote to keep or get rid of the Miami Grand Prix? Yes. Yes or no. Keep. Yes or no. Harry? Uh, I would... No, I'll probably get rid of it. I'd, I just, I'm not that fussed about it. If it wasn't in my life, I wouldn't be sad. So I'd get rid of it. <laughs> ben, what are your thoughts? There's, there's too many good tracks in America. So I'd, I'd get rid as well. Right, three for three. Get rid. Good. Ben, sorry for interrupting you. Having said that, I like this track a lot more than pretty much anyone I know. Um, not to say that I think it's great, or even, would I call it good? No, I don't think I'd call it good. But most people think this is awful. And I think it. I think it's fine. I, I actually think that the track is all right. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that to one side. I know I enjoyed last year's race more than most did. And I think I enjoyed this year's race more than most did. So um, we're two for two in that respect. In terms of the event itself, it, it feels a little flat. There's something not quite there and I, I don't know what it is exactly Miami itself and I, I I don't know whether this is just me thinking this but I feel like Miami itself has quite a quite a brand about it 
particularly in terms of its sports teams. Like there's a real there's a real strong brand and none of that carries over to F1 at the moment. And maybe we shouldn't expect that to be the case because we've only been there for two years. Um, but I don't know if F1 would have expected more. Remember, F1 had to work a hell of a lot to get this race to happen. Like this wasn't just something that one year they thought this would be a good idea and the next year the race happened. This, this event has been in the works for a long, long time, far be- before we got there in 2022. They had to move, they had to work a lot in terms of approval from councils, improve, approval in terms of like public opinion and um, of those in the city. And it's not quite there. They are putting in, putting a lot of work in terms of influencers getting there and, and these introductions, but something's feeling flat. It's a little difficult to put my finger on why. Um, obviously, we'll have more attempts here. I know, I don't think they're going to get rid of it, um, but something something needs to happen. Should we, before we go into our last quick break, just have a review of bold predictions because it was yet another successful weekend all round. Harry, remind us, what was your bold prediction? My bold prediction was the race that everyone wanted, but we didn't get. It was three safety cars slash VSC and a red flag. Okay, so no one retired. Um, (laughs) No no, no one. There were no red flags. No No VSCs. I don't remember remember a yellow flag. Harry, I don't think you could have been more wrong. (laughs) You're welcome, folks. Um, yeah, unfortunately, yours being wrong kind of lends itself to mine being wrong as well. I said three cars would be out in the first sector. Ultimately, three fewer cars than that were out in the 57 laps we had. Um, the freeze gave it a good go. He, he tried, go. bless him. I, I did give him a call, <laughs> see if you can knock out a couple, including yourself. Didn't quite work. Um, Sam, McLaren had a great weekend. Uh, you said both of them would be in the points, and of course, neither of them were. Yeah. Cheers, boys. Cheers. I mean... Nick Debris. This was just absolutely bad. clouting Norris. It's gone badly, isn't it? This even for they us, this was a slow, bad, mate. bad week. <sighs> we, we were so far off. Look, we go so again in a fortnight. Are keeping score at home. Get your abacuses out, everyone. I'm still on one. Sam's still on one. Harry is on one less than that. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Okay, we will now take our last break. We'll be back with Moment of the Race right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, moment of the race. Sam, kick us off. What have you got? Uh, it's already been mentioned. I had two. One was the double overtake from Max Verstappen going down the start finish straight. I actually thought that was a really, really good move. Well executed, really good stuff. But for me, it's it's always going to be more comedic. 
I just love Fernando Alonso watching the TV going around the track. I'm sorry. It was, it floored me the way I also, I've watched the onboard where he sees the move happen. The screen is barely visible. The big screen he's watching. So he is looking so far outside the cockpit to find where the TV is. That's how bored he is. It's not like it's placed in front of him. The guy's searching far and wide. Where is it? Where is it? I don't know. Where is the screen? There it is. I found it. Good move, Lance. That was brilliant. I want to hear more of that. Fernando Alonso is the personality this sport needs. Great job. Moment of the race from you, Harry. I Do you know what? There were a lot of great team radios from this race. Um, as mentioned, the Alonso one. Again, one that's already been mentioned, the George Russell one. But uh, I'm going to go for one from Lance Stroll, who was just so annoyed that no one was talking to him. He was fuming. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> He's just like, guys, t- anything. It's like, what? Where am I in the? What you know? What's my strategy? What position am I? Who am I racing? What's fatigue? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Lance, you're doing fine, mate. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> no one cares about your luck. Shut up and drive the car, mate. <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah, and and Brad! you know, as exactly. Uh, unfortunately, Brad isn't his uh, radio his, uh, engineer anymore, but not unfortunate for Brad. <laughs> Brad, <laughs> well, Brad loves it. <laughs> Brad's delighted, but yeah. Oh boy, uh, that was a good one that I had actually forgotten about. Um, but my moment of the race was you, you can't beat up Jackie Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a Sky specific one, but honestly, Martin Brundle, one of the best grid walks in quite a while. Um, trying to get Roger Federer's, Roger, Roger, Roger. Jackie Stewart's like, Martin, don't come in here with this weak crap. I'm just going to go <laughs> over there and get him. <laughs> like, and then Jackie Stewart, all 83 years of him, just decided to walk <laughs> past this stacked bouncer. Doesn't care at all. Grabbing Roger Federer like, listen, mate, you one of the best <laughs> tennis players of all time. You need to talk to Martin Brundle. Great. <laughs> oh god bloody so Jackie Stewart I love him oh god oh. bless we'll close out the show with a few discord submissions uh, looking at moment of the race again so if you want to get involved make sure you are in the discord as Sam mentioned earlier the link is in the description of this episode um, and we also do pre-race submissions as well so you can get involved there too let's start with oh let's start with Joy Hey, it's Joy. Not first-time submitter, not first-time listener. Uh, Every single one of George's messages, including thinking he's that close to Perez and him saying, this is how we roll. Uh, George, I love you. And also every other radio message because they've all been great. Oh, this is how we roll. great impression. Okay, up next. Hey team, Riley here. Um, I thought I'd stop in to do my moment of a race, um, but unfortunately I'm a bit lost for one because I don't think there was one. Um, pretty procedural event that one. Um, very boring if you ask me. Uh, the hard medium strategy really being the key there, it seemed. Um, I guess the moment of a race can be the GOAT, Alonso, continuing to give his son Lance some feedback <laughs> on his overtakes while watching it on the big screen. Love what you guys do. Thanks for everything. Um, and have a great rest of your evening. Show Cheers. me the baby. Should we just call Lance Stroll uh, Fernando Alonso Jr. now? <laughs> FHA. Also, 
Where's the baby? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's go to possibly my favorite name in all of our Discord. It's Dorito Dust. Hey, what's going on, boys? It's Dorito Dust, everyone's favorite potato beverage, coming at you from the Great White North. I just got off work and I just started the race. I'm only on a lap 10. But so far, my moment of the race was that double overtake that Verstappen had on Leclerc and Magnussen, with Magnussen also passing Leclerc. Get wrecked, bud. Get wrecked, bud. Absolute disciple Leclerc this weekend. You've been relegated so far down the order. Up next is Jen. Hey, it's Jen from SoCal. Um, My moment of the race uh, was the grid walk when Martin Brundle couldn't get Roger Federer and forced Sir Jackie Stewart to go uh, fight the security men and pull him over for an interview. I thought that was gangsta. (laughs) Join the Patreon. Gangsta Jackie. Can you imagine? Hey, Roger, come and talk to Martin Brundle. Oh, my God. (laughs) Don't do that again. Oh, no, no. For anyone wondering, that was Sam doing an impression of Scott Jackie Stewart. Okay, let's move on to, let's go to Hazza next. Right, boys, um, I usually do my moment of the race, but um, I'm going to give it to my northern mate today. George, what was your moment of the race? I think it must be when DeVries locked up and crashed into the back of Norris. (laughs) I've never locked up, of course. I've never locked up. Cheers, boys. (laughs) Oh, God. Northern George. Northern George and Hazza. What a combo. Oh, more of that, please. Oh boy. Uh let's go to let's go to Sebalicious next. Hello. So my moment of the race is me ordering a Domino's because I was bored. And I guess Fernando stream sniping Stroll's race because he's just a mega chad. I don't know. Mega what chad flavor. Domino's. Oh yeah. yeah. Seb, can you please tell me what your order was, please? Because we all love a Domino's here. So be good to know what you got. We'll report back on our episode on Wednesday. <laughs> um a couple more uh that we have time for. Let's go for Valentine next. Hey LB boys, this is Kate from Texas, longtime listener, first time submitter. My moment of the race is actually Martin Rundle's gridlock and getting to watch Sir Jackie Stewart try and single-handedly take down the security team on the grid. And my father's favorite moment of the race, who is not here right now, was Fernando Alonso being able to catch a glimpse of the big TV screen to see Stroll's overtake and complimenting him over the radio. Thank you, boys. Thank you very much. Appreciate the first time submission there. And another great, another great moment. Uh, and we've just got time for one more. Let's go to James. Hello, LB boys. James here of my moment of the race. My moment of the race is to stop because it's 9.30 in Germany and I've got school tomorrow. You're lucky. You can sleep in. You have a bank holiday and I don't. Uh, anyways, Verstappen was up to sixth now in, and it's lap six, so I guess that's pretty good. But, yeah, uh, enjoy the race and good night. Bye. <laughs> Look, James, <laughs> your, your little legend. Night, Go to bed. Go to bed, you absolute tiny legend. He did, mate. Just clap six. No. <laughs> wake up, James, and just wait up all night until this is ready for you to listen to. <laughs> um, no, of course.
course. Uh, love James's submissions and hope that hope that Real Dad is still enjoying um, the business trip in Dubai if he's still out there. Good luck, Real Dad. <laughs> um, that will do it for today's episode Miami review there's no race next weekend but we'll of course be back with another episode on Wednesday and then another episode on Sunday uh just myself and Sam I think for midweek episode but we are going to be joined by a special guest who that is we're not gonna tell you because marketing and <laughs> my, re- my replacement yeah um this is Harry's last episode so <laughs> see you um, later guys it's been real <laughs> Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Well, sure. I mean, I don't want to give a little teaser as well for what's going to happen on Sunday's episode, but I'd argue that's got even more drama coming towards it. Let's just say that one of us won't be here for the Sunday episode, and it's not Harry. So, you know... (laughs) Uh-oh. We'll let we'll let your minds run wild with what might come up on this Sunday's episode. Anyway, um, let us know what you thought of the Miami Grand Prix. Did you love the pre-show? Did it, did it make you feel wild with excitement because LL Cool J was there? Um, let us know what you thought, please. Keep or get rid. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You could do that in the Discord. The link's in the description as per, as pre-mentioned. Or you can come and chat to us on our social media. And I just realised that we didn't tweet a single thing during the race. All three of us. Really good social media management from the three of us there. Um, that's at too good a race. Too, 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 great, too, too involved in the action, mate. Cannot get away from the TV screen. Um, so at Sattel Breaking on Twitter, the Late Breaking F1 podcast is Instagram and TikTok, which is just a lovely time. Lots of fun reels and videos there to be had. Down with kids. Thank you, Ben. And of course, we are on YouTube now, semi-regularly posting videos, trying to grow that little enterprise. So follow us with the Late Breaking F1 podcast. We'd love to see you over there. Um, also, if you just love the content so much, you want a little bit more, then we do have Patreon. Uh, the lovely thing about Patreon is ad-free podcasts. You also get two extra podcasts every single month. And if you're at that lovely top tier, then you also get Beer With Breaking alongside a little birthday shout out on your birthday month, which is always nice, isn't it? Always a little present from the LB boys. Anyway, that's everything. Lauren, get off the freaking camera. <laughs> Harry's girlfriend has just literally sabotaged his entire view, which you can't see, which is great. The funny thing is I can't see it either. Oh. It's completely blank. Harry's camera has completely gone from me. Hey, folks, you can't see anything. Anyway, this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eads. And remember, keep breaking late. That's how we roll. <laughs> oh, sugar. <laughs>